Kayla Prusko is the founder and host of The Conscious Dating Company, which she started in early 2016 after several years hosting the wildly popular craft singles speed dating nights in Sydney. Her events encourage real, thought-provoking conversations by creating a fun, safe environment for people to connect on a deeper level. In addition to her skills as a conscious cupid, she's also a ceramicist, optician and freelance writer. I hope I haven't left anything else out. (laughs) Kayla Perusco, welcome to Chapter and Verse and thanks for being my first guest. Thanks, Marty. So excited. First of all, I'm intrigued to know what's it like to host a dating night or a dating event? Uh, I get a real buzz out of hosting conscious dating events Um, because it's really nice just to see people connecting and rather than kind of sometimes you go to a bar and everyone's like on their phone if they're not having a conversation with someone. Um, So yeah, I kind of like watching people be a bit nervous, be a bit flirty um, and kind of making new connections. It's yeah, like being a fly on the wall. What's What's the energy generally like in that room at the start of the night? Oh, yeah. The start of the night is very cutely awkward. Like very, um, lots of nerves. Because it does take like a lot of balls to come to something like conscious dating or any kind of event where you're turning up saying like, I'm single. Um, I'm out there. I'm vulnerable. Yeah, it is vulnerable. Um, So we like to start every event with a workshop. So whether it's like a um, cocktail class or a meditation or clay class, um, life drawing, stuff like that, just so that when you get there, it's not too awkward because there is always, you know, when you get there, it's kind of cute, awkwardy vibes. So from my understanding there, you start the nights with sort of a group activity yeah, to break the ice yeah, and then definitely. you segue into the more traditional one-on-one rotate through the group throughout the night is that right yeah you got it and when did you start the conscious dating company um yeah so i started in 2016 um so it's probably like a year and a half old my little baby (laughs) um yeah it's been such a journey i've really just had this idea of how i would do speed dating nights to kind of tailor to what i would turn up to and something that I would connect with um, and just put it out there and it just resonated with people, which was really exciting. Is there a particular reason that this is the format for the dating company that you started? I mean, it's called The Conscious Dating Company. Mm. It's obviously got a different spin on it to normal um, heterosexual guy-girl dating nights where people ask the regular questions and then cycle through the night. Mm. I know from your website and from reading a little bit about you that you you like to have some questions that you don't let people ask on the night. For instance, yeah. you know, where do you work? What do you do for a living? Uh, where do you live? The sorts of traditional icebreakers mm. that set the tone for a somewhat regular interaction. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how your events are different and why yeah I think um again it comes back to what I mean me just thinking about what I enjoy when I'm interacting with people and trying to promote more of that um you know I don't think I've had many great conversations about you know what do you do for work and what do you do for work and sometimes that's interesting and 
Um, but it's just kind of where we go to when we meet someone, I think. And there's so many more things that define who we are and so many, I think, more interesting things about people than maybe what they do for work or where they live or how old they are kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, rather than kind of getting stats on someone or using those to size someone up, I guess, um, whether it's, you know, consciously or unconsciously, I think we kind of all use those things to figure out our social standing in a way. Um yeah, I just kind of encourage people to have conversations that are about who they are and like the essence of that person. Because um, I just think about the people I've made connections with and, you know, it wasn't that we talked for hours about what we did for work, <laughs> just personally. Do you ever hear back from people who've come to your events and either had amazing experiences and formed lasting connections or been really disappointed with the night? Yeah, um, I have heard, I hear a lot of feedback on the night, which is really nice to hear. Like a lot of people on the night say, you know, this is like really different and it's really nice to see people connecting in this kind of way. Um, and we do have a few people who are still out there dating. <laughs> dating each other. Dating each other, okay. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I can't. I don't think I can name drop at this point. No, that's fine. But um, do you feel invested in them? And they're they're. I'm so invested <laughs> in them. <laughs> I check in with them like every few months. Are you still together? Yeah. Um, you better be. You should name your child after me. <laughs> <laughs> or at least your dog. Or um, invite me to your wedding. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, and you know, I've had feedback from people who felt that after the night where it was all about connection and um, kind of being mindful and stuff like that, that they had dates that w weren't really on the, of that vein. Um, I guess that's the only disappointed feedback I've heard. Do you if know? that makes any sense. Absolutely. Mm. Do you have a reason why we might slip back into old patterns when mm. the framework and the structure is not around for a mindful connection why people tend to slip back into old habits so quickly um you know I think how we've all done dating and how society's kind of told us how dating looks like is really ingrained you know I've been um recently single and I've really found it super challenging to date consciously and it's something I'm super aware of because I do this for a living. And, um, you know, I find it hard to have those awkward conversations when you just want to, like, kind of not talk to someone again and ghost them. <laughs> and That wouldn't be very mine. Exactly. It, yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, it's really hard to, like, hold yourself accountable in that way. And I think sometimes... Um, but, you know, for whatever reason, that person didn't find those connections afterwards. It could be a number of things. Um, yeah, but I think the way that we do dating and the way it's like socially acceptable is so ingrained and we've only just started kind of thinking about if that's the right way to do it. And why do you think you found it difficult to date mindfully since you became single? Is it just because the world doesn't do it that way and you've got to fit in with, you know the rest of how we do things or um I definitely think that I've taken on rules 
um, like society's rules and kind of put them into my life as my own, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so like being the cool girl while dating was something that I did for a really long time. Um, Do you mean aloof? Yeah, I kind of describe the cool girl as um, like being someone without needs. <laughs> like just being so cool that you just don't need anything and that having a need um, and having to ask someone for that need to be met is like not very cool. Um, like I, I have been aiming for 100% chill pretty much all my early 20s. To be a robot. Totally robot. Yeah. Like perfect girlfriend. Robot. Yeah, totally. Everyone wants me. I don't need anyone. Yes, yeah. exactly. Cool girl. And you, like, you know, boyfriend stumbles home at 5 in the, mo- <laughs> in the morning and you, like, it's fine. It's cool. No, it's fine. I'm cool. I'm yeah. the cool girl. Yeah. So things like that have been so ingrained in me and I've just been starting to kind of pick them apart. Um, yeah, it's been super interesting journey. I read a quote, uh, I can't remember where I read it, but it was one of your quotes. So I'm going I'm to read your words back <laughs> to you because it's something like what you just said. Mm-hmm. And you said, you have to own your own shit. Mm. Be aware that you're not perfect. The person you're dating isn't perfect. No one's perfect. And everyone brings baggage to a relationship. But if you're at least aware of your own particular brand of crazy, <laughs> then you can manage it and deal with it when it comes up and just talk about it honestly rather than try to hide that part of you away. And I thought that was so wise Mm. and a wonderful theory, Mm. wonderful practice to implement in your own life. How how do you find it possible to balance that need to be vulnerable and to be honest and show your true self with the other innate human desire that we all have to impress and to catch someone, to win someone over. Yeah. Those two things seem to be in somewhat of a conflict and how do you reconcile them? That is so true. Um, Yeah, I think you've really touched on something there because there are those two driving needs. I I feel them in me definitely when I'm dating. Um, I think having, you know, a new level of kind of confidence and less um worrying about the outcome of things has helped me a lot so I'm really into going into relationships because of what might happen or the journey or the connection or what I might learn about myself rather than because I need to be loved or because I need something from the outside to kind of help me out with something if that makes sense Absolutely. Yeah. Is that a natural standpoint for you or have you had to come to that realisation and that groundedness through, you know, the opposite? Um, I think in some ways it is it is natural to me in that I've never aspired to um, be married or have children or um, just have a life that looks a certain way or is meeting, you know, these goals by the time I'm this age or anything like that. I've never kind of... Um, thought about life that way but I think in the other way it hasn't been natural to me um, because I think the idea that someone might come into your life and fix the things that aren't working um, it's it's a very romantic idea that um, kind of comes up a lot and I think I kind of absorbed through childhood that that idea I think we all do yeah if anyone watched any Disney uh, (laughs) especially as a woman um yeah that idea is definitely there and so it has taken a lot for me to 
um, kind of work through that. I wanted to say reject it, but it's not really a rejection. It's just kind of looking at it a different way. So you mentioned that one of your previous kind of difficulties was that approach to dating. Mm. Um, What other unhealthy sorts of behaviours have you come to find in yourself and to try and work through in relationships? Um, How much time have we got? (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, you know, yeah, I'm just going to put this one out there. This I've really realised something about myself the last few months. Um, which is how much I turn, like I'll fall totally in love with someone and they're just like an amazing person, but I can turn them in my head into like kind of less than an amazing person because it's like a protection mechanism. This is going pretty deep. Um, yeah. So I guess I've realized like how much I've done that in my life, like kind of just turn some guy into like a bit of an idiot because I've been too scared to be like super vulnerable and that's like the way that I protect myself. I'm not sure if it makes any sense. Yeah. Why do you think that is as a protection mechanism? Yeah. I think it's just the one that keeps me like feeling like I got my shit together and they're like kind of an idiot. I'm in control. Yes. It's definitely a control thing. Um, and having noticed it, do you find it easier not to fall back into that sort of a pattern or is it still a work in progress? It's definitely still a work in progress. Um, I found it really heartbreaking when I kind of realized it like to its full capacity because I realized how much I've done it to people who I really love. And, you know, that's quite confronting, but I think it also helped me kind of rein it in quite a lot. Yeah. First step is noticing it. Yes, 100%. Um, How do you think our own sense of self, our self-value, our self-worth, our thoughts about what we think we deserve, how does that mm-hmm. uh, affect and play out in our relationships or in um, your relationships? Yeah, I think it plays out in a really big way. And I think that unfortunately not many people consider it too much in relationships. Um, like I think if we're just talking about society as a whole, um, I guess it goes back like in my head I'm just thinking about um, – you know, people like Ellen de Botton or Esther Perel um, who are kind of trying now to break down this idea of like romanticism and just falling in love with someone and like that will be enough. But um, you're right, like you bring all this kind of um, like self-doubt and, um, you know, like not everyone is, no one is a full person. So that is definitely going to impact on your partner like a hundred percent and your relationship. One thing that I've kind of been seeing a lot of lately is this idea of love as a verb. Mm. So as an action, something Mm. that you practice, something that you have to actively cultivate and make a real choice to persist with. Yeah. As opposed to love in that romantic sense of a feeling, something that happens to you, something that hits you like a wave and just washes over you forever and ever. Mm. Um, Can you talk about that a little bit? Love as a practice? I am really into um, that whole concept. Like I just, it reigns so true to me. And um, I do think love is a skill. And I think just relying on this kind of romanticism to get you and a partner through all of the struggles that we have to deal with in relationships and in life 
Um, it's just kind of super unrealistic to me and it's definitely something I've bought into quite a lot in the past. Um, and when you do start thinking of love as a skill or a practice, um, it also kind of gives you the uh, freedom to make mistakes because it's it's something that you're aiming towards. It's something you're working on daily and then you can go, well, you know, anything I work on all the time, I'm going to make mistakes here and there. It's not always going to be perfect. Um, and it just, I think it kind of takes away the pressure to kind of sustain this super you know whimsical thing with someone and it lets you actually go well I have control over this you have control over this let's you know make this work together if you can what sort of um, practices and daily things do you think you can do to try and sustain that rather than hoping that the feeling just maintains itself are there things that people can do day to day not to keep the romance alive but just to keep a healthy relationship sustained um, yeah, I think for me at the moment, like honesty and checking in and, um, you know, asking for needs to be met and trying to meet partners needs, they're all really important. Um, I'm actually developing a monthly kind of workshop slash group therapy session, <laughs> which I'm so excited about. And uh, I haven't really thought of the name of these workshops, but something like re- relationship maintenance, um, because I really want people to, I mean, it's going on this idea that you've brought up with that love is like a skill and um, it's something to work on. And I would love as a society, if we could switch from kind of going to couples therapy when things fall apart and trying to work on things when it's the end and things have gone really badly to doing like what you're saying, like checking in and, um, you know, the same that you might go to the GP every month or, you know, whatever you do, like get your teeth cleaned. (laughs) Go to the gym. Yeah, go to the gym, exactly. Like, you know, that should be like relationships of work and it doesn't mean it's, you know, boring work or not fun work. It can be really fun as well. But yeah, I love the idea of like kind of having this group therapy discussion kind of thing so I'm going to work with some psychologists in Sydney and Melbourne um, to bring that to people because I'm really hoping that um, you know people will start shifting away from from using those tools in a crisis to using them you know regularly. When you started the business last year what was that like what's it like to take a brave step and start a business uh I think I was in total denial when I started it (laughs) I was just totally I'm just telling my friends and everyone you know this is just like a side project and I'm just gonna do one event and then probably just it's a bit of an experiment and stuff like that uh I think that was just probably me um downplaying it just in case it was a big failure (laughs) kind of protecting myself again um I think deep down I really I really did believe in it and I really wanted it to work um so it was a really big step and I didn't really even expect people to pick up at like the idea and the concept as well as they did what do you think is the greatest appeal why do you think it's taken off 
Oh, it's definitely, um, it's definitely had like a Tinder kickback crowd. <laughs> if that makes sense. We hate Tinder. Everyone hates Tinder. Um, I think it was. My hand is sore from swiping. <laughs> exactly. RSI. <laughs> Looking for love. Um, yeah, it definitely, I think that helped a lot, to be honest. Like it was just that kind of time where people were getting real Tinder fatigue. Um, so. Did you give Tinder a go? I've never been on Tinder. Oh, lucky you. Oh, have you? Yes. Yeah? Any success stories? No. No. Fun though or not fun? It was fun for a while. Yeah. Um, it, but it, it does suck you in. The product itself for me is not a bad or a good one. Mm. It's that it, it does suck you into a really mindless activity and it's not your fault. There's... Mm. Really smart people in Silicon Valley building these <laughs> things to try and hook you in. Totally. And they do a really good job. They do. Um, but it just so often feels like wasted time. Mm. And it's not just wasted time because, you know, you haven't met the, I haven't met the woman of my dreams on Tinder. Mm. But there's a sense of the time warp. You know, you just lose 15 minutes and you haven't even really thought about what you've been doing. You haven't really tried to read much into who you're looking at. It just felt really hollow. Mm. Um, So it doesn't surprise me that you've gotten a a positive kickback from that. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think that has worked um, in the business's (laughs) favour. But I think as well, just on a broader scale, like even if we're not talking about Tinder, people are, you know, it's a crazy fucking world we live in. And, um, you know, we're all so attached to like our phones and technology and we're also distracted and things are so busy. And I think people appreciate anything that's got a slower feel to it and more of a, you know, like human feel to it. Mm. It feels good to slow down. Mm. And sometimes you can't force yourself to do it. You need someone else to create that structure for you. And, yeah. you know, if you've paid for a ticket, you have to go. And totally. Then, well, you know, it's on tonight. I might as well. And then when you're there, you have this amazing time. But as you found, the struggle is to make that your daily practice. Yeah, 100%. Um, mm. you, I, I read that you recently expanded to start doing some, well, I don't know if it was recent anymore, but you've expanded to do some more diverse events. So mm. not just typical um, male-female speed dating nights, but you're doing um, nights for gay guys, nights for lesbians, uh, some 40-plus events. I don't know if you've had any of them yet. Um, but also an active night where everyone got together in like a gym or a health club and got sweaty together. Mm. Um, some women's nights where, which kind of sounds along the same lines as what you're planning for the future with your group therapy sessions. Mm. How important to you and to your vision of your company are those sorts of expansions into different areas? Um yeah, it's always been important for me to be inclusive. So since we've started, we've been doing um, gay and lesbian and straight events. It's like from the get-go. Um, it's Some of them took a little bit longer to take off, um, but now we're still doing, yeah, gay, lesbian, straight events in Sydney um, monthly, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, the other events have been really great to kind of get people together in different ways it's not always just about um the single part of it to me like conscious dating has kind of evolved to be you know this thing you can do where it's like 
you're single and I'm single and we're going to go kind of to an event or it can be like the relationship maintenance stuff for people who are in relationships. Um, and I guess it's only just kind of expanding through what I'm going through at the time. Um, but the women's event was really great. Like we just got a group of women together um, and we talked about all things like dating and relationships and struggles people were going through. And it was so real. Like I, when I dreamt up that event, I just had no idea how real it was going to be because I am like a pretty open person and I kind of assume that not everyone is. Um, but we, yeah. What, what was real about it? Um, people were honest, you mean? People were really honest. People were vulnerable. Um, I mean, it's, it's maybe a bit easier when you've got a group of women together, um, like maybe creates like a, like safe space or something to talk about things. But yeah, it was really kind of powerful, like hearing so many different stories and people are at so many different like parts of their like dating or relationship kind of life, sex life, you know, um, I, yeah, I got, I think I got more out of it than anyone else. <laughs> I hope everyone else got something out of it. Um, it takes, it, I mean, it takes a lot to put up your hand and, and share. It does. Yeah. And it was, um, you know, I was going into this space thinking, oh, you know, it might just be me and the other facilitators kind of bringing everyone along. Lecturing. Yeah, yeah. We had a psychologist, Celeste Jan. She specializes in um, sexual diversity and sexuality. And um, we had Thais, who is a a tantric meditation teacher. Um, Did we do a meditation together? We did. We did a tantric meditation. How was that? Um, It was really good. It was very, I think that maybe kind of helped everyone open up. It was quite um, (laughs) touchy-feely. Uh, it was great. And yeah, in the end, all these women were kind of like, we were there for just like so much longer than we thought we would be because everyone was sharing so much. So it felt really good. Great. Mm. You have these um, cards or I think they're cards at your events called Conversation Starters, which I heard in another interview you said were modelled on some um, cards that you'd seen the School of Life put out. Mm-hmm. And the, the conversations starters are trying to help spark interesting conversations. Um, and then in that interview that I was talking about, mm. you said, oh, look, if it was me, you know, I don't want to be asked where I live or what I do for a living. I want something interesting that's going to spark a, a connection and go off on a tangent. You said my ideal question would be um, describe your ideal or perfect Sunday. Mm. So I want to hear about yours. <laughs> That's such a good question. Well, oh, thank you. Finally got to answer it. <laughs> Have to, I get to see all these other people answering it. No one's ever asked me. Um, well, I uh, paddleboard. So it would be um, up early because I love an early wake up and probably to like Gordon's Bay for a bit of a paddle, probably bring a friend you're ruining the secret spots. Oh, no. I no, mean, um, Bondi Beach. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that? Oh, I don't know. Um, and then, I mean, realistically, usually on a Sunday, I'm at Maryville Markets um, because you have to get corn fritters at the chai and sit in the chai Yum. Yeah. Um, and then probably just like 
beers in the sun with friends. Um, yeah, maybe like some dogs involved. Bliss. Yeah, that's my perfect Sunday. Do you like going paddleboarding by yourself or do you like company out on the water? Oh, it so depends on the mood I'm in. Like this morning I went out by myself because um, I had some like rage and sometimes I'm <laughs> so, so personal. Yeah, sometimes I just like push myself out and get into the middle of the ocean, just like scream out some like things I'm angry about, which is really cathartic. It's cheaper than 200 bucks for therapy. It's it's awesome. Yeah, no one can hear you either, so it's fine. Where did you go this morning? I went to Rose Bay this morning. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I love taking friends out on my, like, paddleboard. My friend called me a paddle pusher the other day because I'm just constantly, like, asking if anyone wants to come with me. Um, and it's really fun. Like, it's, yeah, I love taking some friends out. You're like a paddleboard groupie. I am. Yeah. It's, it's kind of weird. And I have, like, my click that, like, come with me and then the click that I'm always trying to, like, pressure to come with me. They'll fall slowly. I hope so. Like dominoes. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully fingers crossed um what other sorts of more conscious mindful practices do you bring into your life to keep you grounded um i am really into yoga so i do a lot of yoga and um meditating and journaling um i'm also really lucky to have quite a good community of people in my life who hold me pretty accountable um you know, those friendships where like people call you out on your shit, <laughs> they're my favorite. Um, yeah. And I'm lucky to have friends that kind of will be really honest and straight with me when they see me kind of doing a certain thing. Um, yeah. And I have been to like therapy, which has been super helpful, like working through some stuff. Um, yeah. All of the above, really. Do you find time to do the, the yoga and the meditation regularly like is it a daily practice or oh i'd love to like i should just say it is that sounds really good yes, I'm enlightened. <laughs> that sounds great um no it's definitely not but um i always come back to it i've found over the years that i have like a really good tool set of things to reach for when like i'm feeling this or i'm kind of trying to work through this or you know i think that's been pretty awesome um, because stuff comes up because we all are human. <laughs> we live in this world. Not me. Not you, Marty. No, no. I'm a rock. <laughs> he has no feelings. Um, yeah. And I mean, you know, you just kind of got to ride the wave, I guess, on a paddleboard. That's <laughs> so cheesy. Yes, Please edit that. You had that. to go there. <laughs> yeah. One thing I wanted to talk to you about was uh, the idea of masculinity and masculine expressions of feelings and emotions mm. i can only speak for myself but my feeling out in the western world is that it's really hard to talk mm. as a guy it's really hard to talk about your internal life especially if it's anything other than i'm doing super well i'm killing it at work mm. um you know i'm lifting heavy weights i'm just i'm ruling the world it's really difficult to talk about it because we just assume that everyone else would be judging us negatively. Mm. And so it's created this environment where anything other than a perfect life is, un we feel like it's unacceptable to talk about. Mm. And so we don't talk about it. And that has ramifications, not only for men and men's friendships and relationships, but also in the way that 
they interact in relationships with others. Yeah, have definitely. You, have you experienced that? And do you, or, to your knowledge, have you experienced it? Or do you have any, any, um, anything to add about whether that's going on on a yeah. widespread basis? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not a guy, but I, I can feel that. Like that sounds really shitty. And um, I think that's true. You know, it's so true, especially in Australia. Our, our idea of um, masculinity is pretty um, deep in some kind of, it's not about feeling. Yeah, like what you said. Um, and it does make it hard to relate, I think. Um, I think it makes it hard for men to be vulnerable. I like to hope that it's changing a little bit. Um, you know, there are some awesome men who are kind of talking about mental health and, um, you know, talking about their feelings, I guess, more, um, which I think is great. And personally, like when I meet a guy who can tell me like what's up for him or um, can talk about how he's feeling about something or like if he needs something or like that's kind of sexy as fuck like to be honest <laughs> I think need is a really hard one for guys because it's so hard isn't we're it socialized to be like the solid sturdy provider yeah and for us to stand I can again only talk about heterosexual relationships but mm. for me to stand in front of a woman who I'm with and say I'm really struggling mm. I really need this from you or I really need this generally it's just such a hard thing to do yeah totally and it hasn't been modeled enough like you said um, you know, and I think that is, for, I mean, to me, that is like a real essence of like masculinity. Um, and I hope that we can all kind of embrace that a little bit more and appreciate that kind of stuff. Um, cause yeah, I mean, t- totally like such a turn on personally. <laughs> and I think, you know, like that's hot, like being able to like, be vulnerable and be human and say that you need something is hot. Like, you know, bottling everything up and making things really confusing for everyone, a little less hot. So, you know, yeah, it's a very tricky, tricky thing, but hopefully we're moving in the right direction. I'll learn one day. Yeah. (laughs) The way I see conscious dating company is that you're trying to bring a sense of spirituality into the connection process, something mm-hmm. that's been really dehumanized and turned into an almost mechanical process. Mm. You want to bring that towards the more human connection and working out who am I, mm. who's the other person, and are we compatible? Mm. And I think the word and the concept of spirituality has got this really negative connotation that yeah. you know, if, you, if you're a spiritual person, you're a weirdo, you're a hippie, you're a freak especially, again, as a guy, Mm. um, things are shifting, obviously. Mm. Events like yours and businesses like yours wouldn't be able to survive without, you know, a core group of people who really want that out of their lives. Mm. But how do you think we take that, you know, worldwide? And how how does that spread? Is it a slow attrition? Or is is there something we can do to allow people just to, be a bit more in touch with their own feelings yeah that's such a good question I think it is going to be a slow moving process um but I think that people are kind of looking inward a little bit and trying to 
you know, figure things out about themselves a little bit more than maybe we used to. I mean, the majority of people who come to conscious dating events are um, like super everyday people. Like (laughs) I kind of thought when I started it, like I wonder if just like a bunch of yoga teachers (laughs) are going to turn up, you know what I mean? I've had like one yoga teacher the whole time. Um, You know, it's like people who work in office jobs and, um, you know, super just people you meet all the time. So um, they're just frustrated with the way things are. Yeah. And I think, you know, one key thing is to make things accessible for people. Um, I think that there is this real kind of disconnect between the uber spiritual that you kind of touched on a little bit, like the, you know, what we think of when we think of spirituality. Um, Like in, I can only kind of talk about the Sydney bubble. But, you know, not everyone is going to like their first step into that is going to be like a chanting crystal ceremony where you drink like cacao and, you know, get naked in a tent on Bondi Beach. Like that's just not you just have to kind of see things for like how they are for other people. And I think like, you know, picturing people in their everyday world and then thinking what is accessible to them. Like I'm constantly doing that with conscious dating. Um, constantly thinking, you know, like are these group of gay men going to want to come and do like a meditation where they have to like close their eyes and, you know, like listen to the sound of this and, you know, you kind of inch people along little bit by little bit and my aim isn't to get everyone to like drink cacao in a tent on Bondi Beach. (laughs) My aim is to get everyone kind of like looking at themselves and looking at others in a more genuine and honest way. Um, But I think that one thing that, you know, the kind of alternative uh, community sometimes gets wrong is that it's not accessible enough. And I think you've really kind of got to think about um, meeting people where they're at because you can't make people jump the bridge and like drag them to where you're at. Like people are where they're at and you first have to kind of respect that and then work from there. Yeah, not everyone wants to do a 10-day juice fast you know with their busy office lives and their kids that they have to rush to preschool it's just not possible whether they want to or not Mm. well thank you for sharing your time and your amazing self with me and with us you're so welcome conscious dating co is a wonderful organization and i hope you continue to do great work thank you for being my first ever guest thanks buddy so much fun